This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, I'm Eugene McFadden in the slot they've given me, which is now, and this is pretty much, as you can see, going to be amateur hour and a half. Um, today I'm talking about what it's like to be a neurodiverse or neurodiverse person and a teacher, which for me pretty much means saying out loud whatever crosses my skull. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. No, wait, it's evening. Um, I've learned to do this entire thing by listening to Tabitha McIntosh, who's actually joined in. Um, so I'm end up copying some of her words actually directly. This is probably quite a good metaphor actually for being neurodiverse and well existing in the current society. Um, but today we're talking about being neurodiverse and being a teacher, which can be quite complex. Um, you should really see my desk or my pin board. Um, so autistic, ADHD, ADD, Asperger's, not that that actually exists anymore, nor does ADD, actually, I think. Uh, dyslexic, dyspraxic, uh, damp, you remember damp? Um, I want to hear what it's like for you. How do you cope? Maybe you don't cope. Um, do you drag yourself across the finish line each weekend and sink into a sensory deprivation stupor whilst you recover to do the whole thing again next week? How do you cope with bills and life admin? I mean, I totally struggle with all that. All my organizational energy, what little there is, goes into work. And when it, gets to, when it gets to actual home life, well, you know, things happen. Most of my partner sort of says stuff and sort of things out in the background. Yeah. I mean, I say organization energy at work. I do say that, but, you know. Anyway, so there are literally two people employed for whom a large chunk of their job is making sure that I'm in the right place at the right time with the right piece of paper in my hand, possibly with some instructions. Actually, even the head's PA. Uh, hi, Sam, if you're listening is used to me walking into her office and saying, where am I meant to be now? And she doesn't even roll her eyes anymore. She just tells me, which is great. Um, but obviously, you know, I bring other skills to the table. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondleletters.org.uk.
Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. Introducing Autism Aspirational Futures, a virtual SEN conference for parents and carers. Do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, this free virtual conference from Witherslack Group can support them and you. Providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. Don't miss out! Register for free at witherslackgroup.co.uk today. Witherslack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. A report on the Russell Group University's website details the group's response to the invasion of Ukraine. The response includes scholarships for displaced students, support for academics who have fled their homes, and repurposing accommodation blocks to house refugees. Universities within the Russell Group, like many universities across the UK, have reviewed any collaborations or other links they may have had with Russia and are taking appropriate action. King's College London is working with Citizens UK on ways to bring Ukrainians to Britain as part of the Homes for Ukraine, whilst the University of Nottingham is actively looking to repurpose unused buildings to provide accommodation for refugees. Alongside this, the University of Manchester are creating an emergency fund to help provide support for students and academics displaced by the conflict, with other universities looking to provide sanctuary scholarships. Full details of the group's full response can be found on the Russell Group website. In related news, England's Secretary of State for Education has sent a letter to local authority chief executives and directors of children's services, recognising their efforts in supporting families arriving from Afghanistan and Hong Kong, and those arriving as asylum seekers. The letter goes on to make it clear that those arriving into the UK following the Russian invasion of Ukraine have the right to access education and childcare. Local authorities should be looking to provide places and use flexibilities to admit above published admission numbers if necessary, as well as reminding schools of safeguarding duties and promoting the welfare of all children. A copy of the letter can be found on the government website. Wales Online reports on the huge problems faced by the country's schools as a result of COVID. More than 15% of school staff in some parts of the country are absent and there is a lack of supply cover to stand in. Head teachers have said they are concerned for pupils and their attainment, with COVID restrictions being eased in the community having a major impact as infections rise. The Association of School and College Leaders warned that staff are crawling towards the end of term and that there are fears amongst many school leaders that the situation will continue into the next term. 
Staff absence levels have been so high in a number of schools that whole year groups have been sent home to work online because teachers who test positive are following advice to self-isolate. But many teachers report they have felt unwell and would have not been able to attend anyway. In Grimsby, a school crossing patroller who is thought to be England's longest serving lollipop lady has retired after 57 years. In Africa, 23 countries are yet to fully reopen schools, with more than 400 million schoolchildren from across the continent affected. A UNICEF report released this week warns that education risks becoming the greatest divider as the pandemic enters its third year. It points out that 147 million children missed more than half of their in-person schooling over the past two years, which amounts to two trillion hours of lost in-person learning globally. The report also warns that as the pandemic enters its third year, the situation in schools across Africa cannot just go back to normal. The continent needs a new normal because the stakes are too high to do anything else. The full report can be found on the UNICEF website. In Grimsby, a school crossing patroller who is thought to be England's longest-serving lollipop lady has retired after 57 years. Beryl Quantrill, 85, started work in 1964 and has helped generations of youngsters to cross the roads outside of schools. Her final shift took place on Friday outside of Cleethorpe's Infant and Nursery School. Mrs Quantrill isn't giving up supporting local youngsters altogether, however, as she has been invited into the school to sit with the children to hear them read. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to look at technology and supporting us getting lunch. Why? Because I asked every teacher I met last week if they had lunch regularly, and most of them said no. The reason being, they're too busy most days. Now, right off the bat, I'm not going to discuss any types of diet. This is just about getting lunch. Simple ways to get calories in to power the body. As always, I've tested these things out for you and added my humble opinion. First, and with zero extra cost, using the technology of the freezer. You can freeze a sandwich. I quite like this idea as it stopped me eating a sandwich in the car on the way to a school. If I know a sandwich is there, it calls to me. Calls to me. It being frozen meant I had to wait. The downside is making the sandwich. However, throwing 10 slices of bread down, adding filling and then into a Ziploc bag would be quite easy on a Sunday evening. You might need quite a bit of space in your freezer though. Next, I used a trusty thermos mug and noodles. I thought it was a good idea, but unlike a sandwich that you can eat on the go, I needed a fork and then had to consider not dripping it on my tie, so I actually had to stop and eat. So not as simple as a frozen sandwich, but I did have a hot lunch. Now hold on to your hats. I tried this again. I did enjoy a hot lunch, so I smashed the noodles up before I put the water in the second time around. That day, I drank my lunch. No need to find a fork, lid off, quick swig of noodles, genius. The downside I can see is washing the mug. I know I'll find it on the draining board waiting to be washed when I want to get out the door. Finally, I tried a snack bar. You can get these quite cheap online and you can find them to match most dietary needs. It was definitely the easiest option, but would be the most expensive over time. For me, it didn't feel as lunch-like, if I was being totally honest, but it did the job of rapid calorie input on the go. So, in conclusion, if you're not having lunch, why not try one of these ideas? You will definitely feel better for it. P.S. I googled International Lunch Day and it actually exists. However, it's on the 10th of March, so we've missed it. Gutted. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you have for your lunch. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. So anyway, my guests, who are they? Well, my first guest is an incognito person on Twitter whose name I will not use, um, but we'll call her G. Okay, G is Northern 
an autistic and a teacher and she has kids. I uh, don't know what she teaches, but she's autistic. And my second guest is the great Heather Greatbatch. See what I did there? That's quite clever. She's head of English and literacy someplace. She's an MA student. She's a SEND parent and is also autistic. And she is also from up north. But to be fair, I'm currently in a room that has a window facing the sea. So everything is up north for me, really. I can see a quite large boat out the window. So Asperger doesn't exist anymore. That is correct, uh, Staking at Chalk. Um, it's all just autism now. That is down to the DSM-5. Hello. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think this is the most like evident that I've been autistic ever because I've spent the last 10 minutes just looking at this going, that's not my name. That is not my name. That is not my name and not being able to do anything about it. Sorry. Sorry. It's okay. That's not your fault. Okay. So I've actually got questions. I've actually pre-planned questions. Um, so we're going to talk about what it's like being a teacher who has ASD or, you know, other neurologically untypical things, the pros, because there are pros undeniably, and also the cons. Questions are going to be around like, did you know you were always different as a kid? How do you end up teaching? What bits of the job did you find hard or not find hard? And what bits do you find easier than others? So, G, are you back? G's not actually her real name. I am back. Does that help? I guess so. I don't know. How's it, <laughs> how's it for everyone else out there? Perfect. Brilliant. Excellent. There we go. So, Absolutely fantastic. Great. You don't sound like I thought you were going to sound. I thought you were going to sound more northern than that. This is my teacher voice. Is that your teacher <laughs> voice? All right. This is mostly my teacher voice as well. I'm really trying really hard to like actually pronounce words clearly um, and not say uh, that's, things that's like... That's difficult at the best of times anyway. This is true. I haven't said water yet, which is good. Um, <laughs> so, first question. Did you always know you were different as a kid? Oh, Absolutely. Um, I think for me, when I look back, the, the real thing was, was that I absolutely really appreciated other kids and my friends as long as they were as far as possible away from me as I could possibly have them. Um, they were brilliant if I could look at them playing far away. But when they came any closer, I was very, very uncomfortable. I knew that I was uncomfortable. There was lots of things where um, my mom especially can remember me crying outside of parties because I just really didn't want to be there. I liked the idea of the party, but oh, I didn't too. like actually being there. Um, and and yep. that realizing that where I wanted to be was I wanted to be at the venue, but outside. And I'd quite happily sit outside a party and say hello to everybody as they went in and tell them how lovely they looked, and then go home. Um. And for me, that was just kind of my everyday existence. Um, I'd have my routine, which was I needed to go to school and I needed to read my book. And if anything changed that, the getting to school or the reading of the book, then everything was ruined. Um, but even down to things like the sun, if the sun was shining on a day when I didn't expect it to shine or somebody had not told me it was going to shine, then I'd go and hide in a bush. And now I realize that that isn't what other people do. Um, but it's perfectly logical to me because I didn't like the sunshine. And so, of course, I'd go and hide in a bush. Well, yeah, obviously. Um, it makes perfect sense. I still want to do that in these. But, but you know, it, it was obvious to me right from the get go. I was not 
like other kids. Um, and and that's that that was always a case of me thinking, yeah, that's okay. That way we can get on, we can we move. Um, but then as I got older, it started to manifest in more difficult ways. Um I, th- I think there was um especially when you get to teenage years, there was a huge overlap of questioning of of my autism and also questioning who I was, how I fitted in. And then, of course, the the inevitable mental health aspect of it. Was that so, like in your teenage years? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, I, th- I think this is pretty much a universal thing for, for people who have late diagnoses. But there's this definite thing of, of questioning, especially when you're neurodivergent, um, of finding yourself being told that you are anxious and depressed and thinking, I don't think that's it. Um, I am anxious and depressed, but yeah. I don't think that that's what's wrong. Um, and then having that kind of chicken and egg situation where you, you're told if you weren't anxious and depressed, you'd be able to do all of these things and knowing deep down that you couldn't do the things and that's what's making you anxious and depressed. So how did when were you diagnosed? Um, I was in my early thirties, so that was when it started. Where we started looking at it, and it was it was again much like other people. Um, my son started to be very clearly neurodivergent, and my initial reaction when it was addressed was, "No, he's not. He's just like me." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is completely common. 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 Sorry. It's and it's it's something that I've heard over and over again, and then having having that being kind of like a mirror for me to see what I was like as a child and how my school life progressed and watch it all play out again has been eye opening. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I remember when I was doing like when I went down the diagnosis route and like you know you have the 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 really intense process of like the diagnosis and everything else and one of the things was like why are you doing this and I was like well I'm looking at daughter number two and she's like I'm Miriam's with me and I don't want her I don't know I don't want her to have the same hardships I had and that was like part of the reason that was it that was the same with me um when when I was asked it was it was why are you looking for a diagnosis if you've managed this far um you know as well as you have and and my my idea was because if I've got one then it means that we can navigate this together yeah and I can I can I can learn from my own experiences but it also I can I can help teach them from my experiences um having said that I didn't actually seek it out myself it was um, initially I thought I had ADHD, um, and I do have ADHD. Um, but whilst I was having that, um, that process of diagnosis, the, the lady had said to me, are you open to, or have you considered the fact that you may be autistic? And, and then went, how would you feel about that? And, I responded in possibly the most autistic way that I could have, which was, well, my feelings don't come into it. Either I am or I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and she went, okay, yeah, I think you are. Um, <laughs> shall, shall we get this sorted? And I was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, crack on. It's fine. Yeah, it's, yeah. I see Heather's also like nodding along to everything, which is quite cool. Um, <laughs> we are, we are, I mean, the original plan, obviously, which obviously gone out the window, was me interview you, then interview Heather. It might just go down the route of like, let's just bring all everyone in together and just kind of just... I really just like the show. That's good. Um, and just see where the conversation goes. So my next question. Yeah, it's fun. Heather, do you want to kind of just jump in? Can you jump in? I don't know. While she's doing that, or trying to find buttons, or hopefully, like, earphones. Um, I'm live tweeting huge love to Tabitha. I, I haven't got the ability right now, because I'm, like, trying to read my questions off of my screen, on one screen. I've got my microphone held in my hand, so it's not too close to anything making a crackling noise. So... Oh, Heather, something happened. Oh, it went away again. Headphones if you can in. Yep, can Heather. So I haven't actually got the ability to just multitask that much. So anyway, oh, one of the things I do an awful lot, by the way, is I just literally, whatever crosses my skull, I say out loud, which does cause problems. And I basically just narrate my life as I wander around. I'm doing this now. I'm doing that now. I'm thinking this. Um, Gee, do you do that? Um, Yes, but that's partially because um i don't have which i didn't realize other people do have i don't have like a, a narrative voice in my head it's just pictures and videos and lightning and colors and parts of songs um and because it's like that all the time there's no kind of structure to my thought processes i know where they're going and i know how they got there but there's no narrative and so most of the time, for me, I have to verbally say, this is what I'm doing, and this is why I'm doing it, over and over and over, otherwise it's gone. All right, that's interesting. Because I've got, like, multiple narrative voices in my head, all competing for attention, which... Oh, that, I'd quite like that. I don't know. Sometimes it's like... I'm, 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 basically, I learned to do everything by reading books. Um, I remember reading a book, Stephen King book, about having, like, different voices in his head, and, like, it helps to be an author. And I was like, oh, that's good. I think I'll be an author one day. Um, <laughs> I remember I was sitting out at a bus stop uh, at Brink Cross, like having like bunked off school to go to the library again, which I pretty much did for most of the Q-Stage 4. I basically would do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at school, and then Thursday, Friday, I'd basically be at home or in the library, which is good. I learned loads. Um, and this is before they cared about attendance. So, you know. Um, and it, what was your school attendance like? Um, it was always not quite good enough um so it was always good enough but it was always a case of like being around 90 percent um oh, way better than mine yeah and my and that was that was difficult the 90 percent was difficult and it was always a target of you know she does really well she's a wonderful student would definitely definitely help if she was in more often and it, i couldn't i was in as often as i could be um quite often my mum had sent me to school and i didn't turn up which she had absolutely no idea about, but it was the same thing as you. It was, um, there'd be times where it was just so, I'd got to the top of my limit and that was that. I had to leave, whether that was over the fence or just out of the door or not returning after lunch. It didn't matter. I just needed to leave at that point. Um, as a teacher, I find that quite remarkable in, in how many students we have that aren't allowed off site um, and how they manage it. Because there's times when I'm at school where I'm just like, I could quite happily leave now. And that's got nothing to do with 
you know, um, my job or being unhappy. It's just the fact that I've got to my limit and I could, I could just go, yeah, okay, let's go. And I find it amazing that we have so many students that get there every day and manage it every day and don't (laughs) just leave. I kind of, I find, I find that fascinating. It's, it's unreal. I think, you know, I mean, you're roughly my age. I think you're younger than me. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm 40. How old am I? I am 42. Am I 42 this year? I'm 42 this year. I'm 37. So you're 37. So in my day, attendance didn't seem to be counted in the same way. Maybe it did. I didn't know his. I mean, I didn't know a lot of things. But, you know, um, no one rang my mum up, really, to say he's not turned up. You know, so I don't know. No, I think I think the only time that there was ever a phone call or anything was um, I tell a lie. When when we were getting a li- little bit later on, the the definitely would tell my mom because at that point my mom was actually working in the school, and it's oh, right, very oh, yeah. it's very difficult to bunk off when your mom works in the same school as, as the one that you were attending, um, which I still managed though. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it it just it, it for me it wasn't it wasn't doing anything wrong. It was, I, I don't need to be here now. It's PE. Oh, yeah. I saw, right, during PE, I saw the entire Star Wars re-releases during <laughs> PE. That was great. Oh, yeah. That, that was fun. I used to I used to go and, um, I mean, I was very sensible about it. I, I always thought, well, I'll get some exercise. So it would be get on a bus, take my book, um, whichever book I was reading at the time, because I was, I was going through a phase of reading everything again, yeah. much yeah. like you trying to learn how to human yeah um and so i'd take my book and go down to the beach and walk along the beach read my book come back look all um rosy cheeked and full of exercise that was fine in my head i had absolutely no idea that that would be a safeguarding issue or uh, no because i was i was having an education and i was going outside that all yeah that was that well um, yeah it's that Again, we're kind of walking into a double empathy problem. Have you heard of this? Um, yes. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know these things, um, double empathy problem is the idea that if you are autistic, you find it difficult to see things from the point of view of someone who is neurologically typical and vice versa. If you're neurologically typical, you find it difficult to see things from the point of view of someone that's autistic or ADHD or whatever, because you don't you just, your minds just don't, op- don't operate the same way. Um, but because people generally look the same, you don't figure that their mind is going so different to yours. So hence, double empathy problem. You don't you don't see just how different the mind behind that face is is being. So hence, an autistic person might do something and be like, well, "This is obviously I'm doing this thing because this makes complete sense to me." For you know, a neurologically typical person, they may be maybe a case of like, "Why well, have you done that thing?" Um, which does cause problems sometimes. But there we go, you know. I think there's another issue with the double empathy thing as well, because um, there'll be times where, especially within our household, and I'm sure that you have the same thing, where my son will do something and it will lead to either him injuring himself or, you know, something. And I I can't go, There's I can't react with shock because it's exactly the same things I would have done. Um, yeah. For ex- for example, ooh, that looks really tasty. And sorry, my, all of a sudden my dog came in. Um, and 
he'll go, oh, that looks really tasty. So he'll decide that he's just going to lick a pan, despite the fact that it's on a on a hot surface. And oh, yeah. For me, though, I, I would do exactly the same. I did as and, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like eating Tourette's. That's yes. what they call it. Eating Tourette's. It's like, why are you eating that pen? Oh, well, I don't know why I'm eating that pen. Oh, or not, or not even being aware that you are reading the pen. Yeah, yeah, it was exactly something. Yeah, someone pointed out to me why are you doing that thing. What thing? Oh, yeah. It's yeah, like... I only realised that I'd, I'd started. Um, to be honest, I have a real problem with eating highlighters, which is, uh, yeah. I mean, of course, thirty-seven-year-old professional. Of course, I'm going to eat a, high, a highlighter. If you said it to me like that, I'd be like, "That's absolutely ridiculous." Of course not. But if you put a highlighter near me and I'm working, then it will find its way into my mouth and I'll start. And it's not it's not the end of the highlighter, like putting a pen in my mouth. Is it the middle? It's it's the actual bit. I'll start taking it apart. Oh, and, st- and and I don't even know that I'm doing it. And it's it's so, it, if somebody stopped me and asked me, I'd be like, I would probably deny doing it straight off and say, no, I'm not. This is, um, this is why I like octopodes. This is why, okay, it's one of my like random like obsessions I get is, it's currently like octopodes, which is you know plural for octopus. The correct mm-hmm. plural, not octopi. That's the wrong plural. Um, and they have, and I got this basically because I read a um, Adrian Tchaikovsky book in which the one of the main characters were actually uh, uplifted octopodes. Anyway, um, and now I'm really resisting the urge to say to you, the Latin for octopus is in fact polypus. So anyway, sorry, um, <laughs> which is quite a cool fact. This is actually how I teach. In fact, this is how day, I teach too. Oh, I, oh, I, I, oh, I feel, I feel a connection, um, <laughs> which I really feel people. To be fair, but yeah, I was, te- no. I was teaching. Yeah, I was teaching a lesson. Some girl went to me. Have you got ADHD? And I was like, no. And she was like, oh, because I know this guy's got ADHD, and he says he's having ADHD moments, and he does exactly what you do. And I was like, yeah. Well, yeah. Let's just move on. Let's just move on. You know. Um, are you, oh, are look, you oh not... look at that, Heather, Heather Great Batches says, my daughter feels very strong about the importance of octopodes. Excellent, well done. Sorry, what are you going to say? Uh, um, are you, like, to take the wrong phrasing, but are you open about your diagnosis at school? Um, so if people ask me, I say it. I mean, I know my English, well, I, I, I'm an English teacher, theoretically. Um, I've taught most things, which probably at this point, Mr. Jenkins is, like, not into that one. Anyway, he's there. He's like WJ and Kin I-63. Anyway, he's got 15 hearts. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, open. Yeah, I mean, with like my SLT team, I said that. It was actually the day we, I got the result back was a, a second day of Ofsted. And we were all kind of sitting there like kind of really drained, like waiting for like feedback. And I was like, hey, gang, guess what I got today? Um, anyway, um, it's all really. So they know. My SEN team generally know, although to be fair, a lot of them are actually like, yeah, obviously. Um, but as a general rule, the kids not really know. Although one or two autistic kids do know, but that's about it. And some of the parents See, know. Yeah, I, I I am strange in mind because I found it really, I teach an awful lot of kids with ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found it really freeing to be able to say, actually, I have ADHD too with the kids. Um because it, it just means that we we found ways to work together. Yeah. And there's, there's times in the classroom where I can say, right, mate, I have absolutely no idea how to help you on this. Can you tell me? 
And because I'm not taking it from a point of view of going, here's a range of strategies, let's try all of these. And and instead I'm approaching it as a peer and going, I too have this situation. Um, We're not helping each other. Shall we work it out together? Yeah. Um, It's so much more productive that way. And there's times where with students I can stop and I can I can say with a, a couple of my students I can stop and I can say I'm really struggling with this that you're doing right now because of this can you stop or do you need me to take it outside so that you can have that moment to do that elsewhere and instead of taking it as a criticism of the behavior it's more of a case of this is how it's causing my issue and I know that I'm causing you issues shall, shall we work out how to work through this together that's a really good approach and it's it's worked really really well um i don't feel confident enough to tell them about my autism diagnosis um although i think it's heavily easy to identify to be honest it's it's there um and they all kind of think that i'm eccentric so i i assume that if they just thought a little bit deeper about it they'd work it out um but yeah, I, I, just, I assume that as well sometimes. Yeah, it, but I just, I just don't feel comfortable about it, and and I think for a while I'd thought about that whether that was internally ableism, um, but but I don't, I don't think it is. I think that there is genuinely a stigma, and that we do, although we have the, you know, that we do have a a lot of, you know, ways through that. I don't feel comfortable telling people because unfortunately, even within teaching, there will always be people who then feel the need to explain emotions to you. Yes. And that's kind of what I've tried to protect myself from. Be fair, I do need someone to explain emotions to me sometimes. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I do too. Um, yeah. But but unfortunately, um, there's there have been times where the very few people who know have um uh well an example would have been a a situation where a a person was very clearly angry and a colleague turned to me and said now you see he's angry and you can tell by (laughs) (laughs) And, and i went yes thank you for her explaining anger to me as a concept that was wonderful that is yeah these yeah yeah i haven't had that although yeah i mean i don't know maybe because like i don't know i've had people but i don't i tend to be quite over like i don't know what emotion you're having can you please explain this to me or oh, i think yeah i i will do that where I'll, I'll go you're quite clearly struggling but i have absolutely no idea what you're feeling could you just tell me yeah although it does i mean at times the kids are gone that child's crying and i'm like they are are they upset? <laughs> it's like, yeah, which has caused issues in the past where it's like, that child was really upset when you do anything about it. It's like, I don't know they're upset. They didn't tell me they were upset, you know? Um, I think, yeah, I think I think it's really quite difficult at times that, isn't it? Because yeah. there are times where I will misjudge a situation <laughs> where I will think anger, and it's not anger, it's actually sarcasm. Or I'll think, um, that somebody is just talking to each other and apparently afterwards they'll go uh, such and such was really abusive to me there and I, how and 
it, it means that, I mean, that thankfully, it doesn't go to a level where it can be a massive safeguarding issue, but it can be difficult to navigate because you do find, find yourself going, okay, um, what? Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Um, yeah. This whole kind of like, this is how I teach. We were discussing octopodes about, I think, five minutes ago. Um, and I was going to link octopodes to being autistic. Um, autistic, autistic minds. How do we get here? Basically, right, getting back to my original kind of random point is oct- octopodes have got like, they've got like eight tentacles. They've got really, and they've got like so much information um, and so much control of the tentacles. They've almost got like mini brains in each tentacle. And then you've got the kind of core brain in the middle. And it seems to be that their way of operating is core brain wants something and the tentacles kind of figure it out. And sometimes I think that's, if you're autistic, that's that's you. Hence the fact of like, you know, oh, look, I'm eating a pen. How'd that pen get in my mouth? It's that. That makes real, yeah. That, yeah. That, I absolutely do agree with that one. Um, I don't know how I would explain autism. ADHD is really easy for me to explain to people. Um, because, uh, well, people of a certain age anyway, because obviously with the streaming now dvd yeah. menus don't really come into it but for me adhd is definitely like an ad like a dvd menu when you've lost the remote you know that you you know what you want yeah you know how to get it it's there but you can't find the buttons to be able to make that happen and that's adhd um meanwhile a marching band's going down the street and somebody's poking you in the ribs but explaining autism it's just, it's more of everything. Yeah. I find, because I think for everyone, it's actually, part of the issue I think is actually for everyone, it's different. Um, yeah. I think it's very much like, you know, you have got your own personal operating system um, and everyone else has got a slightly different operating system. Um, like other autistic people. It's like everyone normal, we'll call, we'll call them normies, all the normies. I used to run, before I had a like, diagnosis when I worked in a special school, I used to run a uh, fake in being normal club for some autistic kids. Because I've always been really good at autistic kids <laughs> for some reason. And we sit around. Who knew f- Yeah, yeah. Who would have guessed? Uh, yeah, I know. I was like all these years and, and everyone would, would joke, oh, you're so, you'll be autistic yourself. And we'd all be like, ha, 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 yes, I'm so autistic. And, and yes. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah. Were you yeah, we called a- eccentric? Mm, that's good. I was called weird. Yeah. Um, so I guess people might call me eccentric. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was eccentric occasionally would be like, yeah, quirky, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yes. Quirky. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are we talking about again? Oh, I can't it. remember. Oh, oh damn it. This is it. This should, be, this should be play this back because you're like basically just like, this is how my mind works. Yeah. Um, we So we did we did Fake Me Normal Club, which yes. came from. Oh. Which came from? Damn it! At this point normies. in the lesson, normies. Okay, so normal people, normies. Their operating system is basically like Windows, and they've all got Windows, and it's all the same. Yeah, they've all got the same mm-hmm. thing. Whereas, if you're autistic, everyone's got like Linux or something, and everyone's like made like lots of or Ubuntu, and like and people have made like lots of weird little quirky adjustments to make mm-hmm. it personal to them. Absolutely. That's my that's my metaphor. Whether yeah. it works or not, I don't know. I think I think it does work. I think it, that's possibly one of the hardest things for people to understand when it comes to autism. That not only is every person's experience different with 
while you know with the world while having while being autistic but also that your experience of being autistic differs wildly from one minute to the next um and there are times where things will not phase me in the slightest and be fine and the same thing 20 minutes later will be really difficult and I can't cope with it um that could be as simple as tights or the material that I've that is on the chair or you know yeah Yeah. the (laughs) temperature the temperature of a room um the weather generally is a is a major issue um the resistance or the texture of something and you will find that it's for me it would be a case of this is absolutely fine this is not a problem and in some cases I can go years with it not being a problem and then all of a sudden it is a problem and once it becomes a problem that is it I cannot cope with that yeah and it's a kind of get away from the situation now yeah leave yeah yeah and no idea what's caused what what set it off it's just this is how it is yeah and I think I think obviously it's it's really it's really good in the way that I can see within my experience in school that we are making you know inroads into this and that the vast majority of of our colleagues are starting to to realize for kids that that is the case and that this isn't a case of somebody refusing to do something um it's a case that this is uh, this is them not being able to handle it right now and yeah I, th- I think that understanding is is going to uh, and is changing people's lives it really is if if i'd had that understanding as a kid that if, within school that things that i was struggling with in that moment i could have done a hundred times before absolutely wonderfully and not had an issue but the reason why i wasn't having an issue is because i was suppressing it and managing to suppress it and this time i couldn't I think I think my experience of school would have been a lot better. Yeah, I think yeah, mine too. Um, I think when you have those blocks, and I, you know, I can think of like sometimes, like really clearly getting blocks. It's almost like I'm there, and there's like a wall between me and reality, mm. and I can't get past that wall. And people are like, why aren't you doing anything? I'm like, I, 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 I don't know. I'll say something. It's just like 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 white noise in my mind. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that for me, but there's, there's that kind of like loop where I, yeah. I stop and I, it can happen sometimes when I'm teaching, um, when I'll be, I'll be mid flow and something will happen and I'll go, nope. And it goes back into the loop and I'll start the sentence again and again and again, and I'll have to go, right guys, just give me one second. And it's, it's almost like having to reset of just go okay what was I actually saying and how do I get to the end of the sentence yeah and I can't see the end of the sentence because I can't remember it's gone and then once I can get over that like like you say the wall once I can get over it like the midpoint of the sentence I'm fine again and we're good but it's it's almost like my processing goes no no you're done here stop yeah, I find if, I, if I'm in that zone, I just need to close my eyes a second. Like, literally, like, shut down. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. going to close my eyes and just turn off all the stimulus. And then back. And yeah, it's like, well, like a reboot. What I tend to do is I tend to walk to my flip chart. And if I walk to my flip chart and close my eyes, take a deep breath, and then usually I can get back to the sentence that I was on and where I was. 
Um, thankfully, I have got some amazing kids and I've got some amazing students who will catch me and go, Miss, just take a second. It's fine. And, That's good. And they're, they're, you know, kids are amazing and they're mm. generally very, very tolerant and they want to learn and you want to teach them. And if you're in that zone, they'll be, they'll be absolutely fine and we'll, we can get there together. I found, yeah, I tend to be like, I do that thing that teachers don't seem to do, which is like, kids, I'm having a bad day. I'm not telling you I'm having a bad day. If I'm snapping at you, tell me. Or like, and he seemed to appreciate me being like, I don't know, that open with them about stuff. I have to do that too, but that's, um, it's because it, it doesn't tend to be the the snapping thing for me because I tend to internalize that rather than externalize it. Hmm. But um, if, if I'm having a bad day, I will say, Right, guys, um, struggling a bit today, not not in the in the right frame of mind. If anything, you know, if I seem a bit off, let me know, and it's absolutely fine. And they always do. They'll they'll always say things like, you know, uh, do you want me to do this? And I'll be like, oh, that would be amazing. That would be absolutely fantastic. Or they'll they'll wait and they'll shush each other so that I can get my phrasing out and I can give the instructions at the beginning because they know that any sort of noise at that point is going to be the thing that uh, loses my concentration. And to be fair, I think if you're, if you're really honest with them, even if it's not honest in the sense of, this is my medical history, here's my diagnosis. If you're just honest about how you are. In a moment, yeah. It, yeah, they seem to respond really maturely to that. And, and maybe I, I, for a long time, I had it in my head that I shouldn't be like that with my students because it allowed them to see me as not being the authority figure within the classroom, but but they do, and I am. Mm. It, it's just that it's more collaborative. Yeah, I like that word. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, Heather was trying to join in a minute or a while ago. I don't know. Heather, you want to try and jump in? Can you press something? I don't know. Um, next question, which how. Okay, we've done question one, which was, did you always uh, know you were different as a kid? And that took us 43 minutes. That's pretty good. Yeah. We've done well. Yeah, to, to be fair, we have done well. We have done well. How did you end up teaching? Oh, look, there we go. Uh, invite. Click. We sent you, you sent your invite. Heather, Heather, can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Uh, G, can you hear Heather? I can indeed. Excellent. Hello. Right, well, look at this. Hello. Hello. Um, so you, you put down there, oh, look, and Tabitha can hear us as well. Um, so obviously your daughter has really good taste with the whole idea around. <laughs> Absolutely. Boom. Yes. I'm impressed with that one. Um, and then you said you were not, you were nodding along to things, nodding along to everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, um, um, thinking out loud. I'm always doing that because teaching involves so much multitasking and I'm always like doing the register getting my PowerPoint and then there's all of the reward points that we do at my school. And I'm always like, right, I'm just doing the register and then I need to do this. Yeah. And the kids are looking at me like, what, what is she on? And I'm like, this, this is how my brain works. And another thing as well, when you were talking about like the effect of too much noise in the classroom and too many voices, I, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to be open a lot more with the students, like, because they notice that I, if it gets too noisy or if there's too many voices, I will literally start getting people's names wrong. I will say the wrong word 
and I don't even realise I say the wrong word. So I think they're starting to get used to me now. Um, I mean, with other classes, I might find a different solution, like with year seven, um, I've got a, a young person who's hearing impaired. So I've, I really maintain a, a rule of one person speaking at a time because that's what that student needs. Um, but it, it really helps me as well. Mm. So, you know, and I sort of talk to them about how different teachers are different, different classrooms. And some teachers have a more relaxed style, but with me, it's like, no, it has to be one person speaking at once. Otherwise, I can't, I just can't perform as well as a teacher. I am exactly the same. I've got my, mm. my one cast iron rule is one person talks at a time. I can't do it otherwise. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally get that. Yeah. Um, so did you always know you're different as well? Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's always that sense of being on the outside of things, looking in and being on the edges of groups rather than part of groups. Um, I, I clearly remember looking back, thinking back now, um, times when I was like, I became nonverbal if I was stressed and I just couldn't speak. Um, this was probably from the age of, I don't know, four or five, something like that. I used to get really anxious around strangers and just um, just kind of freeze completely. Um, definitely at school, I enjoyed talking to the teachers more than the other students, and I see that in oh, yeah. Yeah. at least one of my kids now because they get on so much better with adults than they do <laughs> their peers, and, yeah, I remember that. Uh, I mean, there's loads of classic things. Like I only ever had really one friend at a time and it was usually a friend who was more outgoing than me. So I could kind of rely on them a bit to do more of the talking and stuff like that. I was similar to G. I was just obsessed with reading constantly. I used to just constantly be in and out of the library and devouring books. It's interesting. I listened to, um, I think it was Desert Island Disc with Neil Gaiman recently, and he said that whenever he got dragged along to parties with his family, he would like he would his family would stop him from taking books with him. Oh, <laughs> what? Would, like, yeah, I had the same yeah, thing. But, yeah, I yeah, and he he would just find books no matter you know just no matter where they were. There's a photo of me at the top of a mountain in Switzerland reading my book because that's just what I did all the time. Yeah, good. Wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, as a teenager, I think I kind of found a way to express being different by being a goth and various oh, my word. subcultures. So I, that, I yeah, was... that became, <laughs> yeah, there's so many neurodivergent goths around. Yeah, we, totally. we are a huge, huge part of, of, of goth culture. Yes, yeah. very I, much so. I wanted to be a goth, but all of my friends were like into garage Um and cars so it wasn't gonna happen there we go but you know yeah i had that thing of like well my friends are doing this therefore i will now be into garage music and cars and i will wear a baseball cap and i'll wear tracksuit bottoms um because yeah they black tracksuit bottoms they were black baseball cap no it was it was it was blue (laughs) it was mostly blue um but yeah i mean yeah i think most of my like teenage years and then like early 20s was that trying to fit in bit? And I kind of got towards my late 20s. I was like, nah, screw this. I need to fit in anymore. I'm going to just live in tracksuit. I don't want to live in comfortable clothes all the time. So like, basically, and that is tracksuit bottoms for me and a t-shirt. It's great. I've, I've only really, 
I've only really reached that stage a lot later. Like at the moment, I very much live in black leggings and t-shirts. And for school, I've very much got like a, a rotation of dresses and comfy tights. Um, by the way, G, I would recommend snag tights because they are just amazingly comfy, um, more so than any other tights ever. But to yeah, everyone I, else, I would also say the same thing because snag tights <laughs> have changed my life. The yeah, other things, they, they are life changing. Yeah. I, I can wear, 100%. I can wear them, I can wear them all the time now, and I don't have yeah. any of the reactions that I used to have, which was including one time where I was at work and I was in the middle of the day, and thankfully I had a free period, but I would have done it in the class if this came to it because that's how bad it was. I got a pair of scissors and I just cut my tights off. <laughs> because it was a case of I, I can't cope with this anymore I can't I even can get to the toilet to take them off I just have to get them off my skin and the, the other problem I still have is is when you get holes in your toes and they're digging into your toes and you cannot concentrate on anything else except that yeah yeah totally how, how are you going about socks because I'm alright with socks I hate yeah, socks yeah lots of I... lots of lots of people say they don't like the seams on the inside but I don't like ones that dig into my ankles. If they're too tight around the ankles, that's what bothers me. Mm. I think if, if you've got a pair of socks that are awful, that's it. That's a day ruiner. Um, yeah. And there've been times, there'll, there'll be times where people will say, are you okay? Because you don't seem yourself. Is everything okay at home? And me trying to say, <laughs> my socks, it's my socks. It's There was... There was an episode of the IT crowd where the, the main female character in that says ha she's having a bad bra day. Yes. And, uh, yeah, that's 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 what it reminded me of. Yeah, that's exactly what it is like. And I think it's really easy to almost minimise us a little bit because yeah. um, when somebody says, and, and, and it, it almost sounds like we are like detracting or, or kind of like trying to distract people as well, but it's not. It's a case of, I'm being serious here. What you interpret as being some sort of mental breakdown is my socks are bothering me and I really need to take them off. And I know how ridiculous this sounds to you, but this is how my life is. That's it. But that wouldn't sound ridiculous yeah. to me at all. I'd be like, no. yeah, of course. Yeah, if, if a kid comes to me and says, I, I, can't, I can't stand my shoes, I'd be like, yeah, mate, totally. Yeah, so that's not a thing. Don't worry about it. It's cool. Mm -hmm. um it's funny isn't it it's like that kind of like that that almost like again double empathy problem that yeah i see where you're coming from i can see exactly where you're coming from um that child whoever that child is how how are you like i mean it's gonna sound really strange on the kind of the spectrum of like sensitivity i'm hyposensitive so i've got very limited sense of taste touch smell or pain and my hearing is really good I yeah, I mean, me realising I was autistic it took place over a number of years and, and I started to recognise things that I was hypersensitive to, like sound, for example. But oh, then yeah, I realised like... that there's, yeah, but there's loads of things that I am. I'm more of a sensory seeker as well. Like I really, really like smells, like nice smells make me incredibly happy. Um, so it's not that I'm... Yeah, it's not that I'm hyposensitive, but I am a sensory seeker. Like when I was a teenager, I absolutely loved um, roller coasters, especially upside down roller coasters. I went on my first upside down roller coaster when I was eight. Absolutely loved it. I mean, it helped being taller than average because I could. I was allowed onto it. 
Um, I used to go, I grew, I grew up quite close to Walton Towers and we used to go there early and I could go on this one called the Thunder Looper like five or six times in a row. Oh, I remember, I remember <laughs> Oblivion at Walton Towers. Oh, yes. Yeah, Skunk and Nancy played so, their opening. Amazing. So yeah, there's definitely some things that I am a sensory seeker on, like I said, smells and um, probably music as well, because there's, there's, there's definitely songs that I'd, I love to listen to over and over again. But it's strange, isn't it? Because on the one hand, noise bothers me. And on the other hand, I can really love a loud concert if it's something that I love listening to. Yeah, and it's that kind of wall of sound, that, that almost like an immersion in it. Yeah, and you can like... feel your whole body. You can feel it reverberating around your body, and that's yeah, that's quite nice. Often. It, it can be it can be horrible when you're in the wrong zone with it. There's been there's been mm. times where I've um I've gone to gigs, and if there's a um a support band, and you know it it's quite it's quite strange explaining. You'll you'll go outside and people will say, "Do you not like this band?" And I have to go no, I don't like this band because instead what I'm trying to process is actually I feel like I'm going to vomit. And if you say to someone, I don't like this band because they make me feel physically ill, um, they, they take it quite badly. But why? I can, <laughs> and true, I don't yeah. understand it because that is how I feel. But I feel... I can abs- absolutely relate because for me, music has to be like, quite melodic and harmonious but if there's like music that's quite discordant and that is most of the music my husband likes um I really struggle with that and we went to um supersonic festival in Birmingham for his 40th and we went to see swans which who he really loves and loads of other people really love but it literally made me have a meltdown because I could not cope with it was just the sound was really like disturbing and unsettling and yeah I just had to leave and it really did have that physical effect on me it wasn't the nausea but it was just like it was torture it was like literal torture to me for me that was um despite the fact I'd seen them before for me that was Chemical Brothers um oh right at, at Glastonbury and what they decided to do was they decided to have quite a minimal set and they kept having um like parts between major tracks where it would be really slowed down and and quite the bass would be really deep and I ended up going I'm, I'm going to be sick I'm, I'm I'm gonna I am physically going to be sick and my partner's response to it was have you drank too much are you okay and and I was going it's the music I need to leave I need to leave right now and looking back I know exactly what it was um but at the time it was kind of like what happened there that was insane but it was it was purely and simply it was it was the base. I couldn't handle it. Yeah, I I didn't have a clue with swans. I didn't have a clue at the time. I was autistic. I was just like, I just do not like this and I have to go. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, Chemical Brothers is one of my probably happiest sensory seeking memories. I went I saw them at Leeds Festival ninety seven, I think. And all of my mates had gone to see the Blue Tones, who I wasn't really into. So oh, I went to yeah. the Chemical Brothers and just danced on my own in complete ecstasy I for was there. the whole set. <laughs> no way. Yeah, oh I was God. there. I was still, my mum my <laughs> took same, me. Was that the same one? 
no it wasn't it was it, my mum my mum took me when I was 12 to um to oh, Leeds in, in 1997 and and because I my big my big thing my my big obsession was music oh yes totally and that's really interesting about about music because music is very often a special interest but it's kind of a normal teenage thing as well yeah be obsessed with music and it's kind of part of your identity Mm -hmm. um so i i I collected uh, albums by the cure and i had like a chart on the wall to tick off the ones that i had yes and yeah my my spreadsheet collecting yeah my my spreadsheets for every cd and tape and um vinyl that I had which I had even before spreadsheets were a thing I'd have them color-coded um and handwritten um that's good and and I still find myself doing this I I will make a spreadsheet for anything I'm not organized in the slightest not not in the slightest but if I enjoy something and it's my special interest then it's getting a spreadsheet oh yeah. yeah I've only recently discovered the love of those spreadsheets since becoming a head of department. And I kind of always, I kind of always feared them, but now I'm like, oh, let's do a spreadsheet today and put some lovely color coding in. Oh yeah. Color color code it. Yeah. Conditional formatting all the way. Yes. Oh yeah. I love that. Um, This is how I discovered maths. I love maths now because of spreadsheets. All right. Oh, nice. Um, Have you gone to this? So I got, I'm going to put out my controversial statement now which is I don't like that word special interest. That's two words. I prefer like, I think it's almost like for me, and I'm happy to be proved wrong because I've really got an ego. For me, it's almost like infantilizing. Yes. Special interest. For me, it's like my current focus or my current hyper focus is. um, Yeah. Yeah. I I kind of find it, I I think an awful lot of, of, you know being neurodivergent is infantilizing um yeah it, and i do it does strangely still the, the special interest thing does make me kind of bristle a little bit but i think i use it because it's understood yeah and um and, and i think i use it to to like differentiate between this is something that i'm interested in but i can take it or leave it and this is something which if you interrupt me while i'm doing this things are going to be bad. Yeah. And and I Absolutely. think it's I think I think it's worthwhile for the people around me to know that that's the thing. Do not interrupt me while I'm doing this because this is it, it this is my time and this is my thing. Whereas you're I'll right, my hyper focuses go all over the place. Yeah. Okay, it's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. I think in family life, that's definitely the thing that I struggle with the most because I'm very often just, I just want to be in my own world doing my own thing and kids interrupt all the time and my husband almost certainly has ADHD. So he, you know, he has to think out loud and and say things as soon as they come into his head. And I'm like, why is everyone talking to me? (laughs) Just, it's not so much leave me alone, but yeah, being interrupted. Yeah, I really struggle with that. I'm quite lucky because I basically right now I've got like three hyper focuses which is my family work and exercise oh, so, all of those are amazing in many, many ways I'm actually quite I'm actually quite a boring person so it's and it's a kind of that balance that between family and work and either yeah. one gives me like great pleasure and it's just but I could quite happily then in my family I would just I would just work all the time which is really unhealthy 
but it's working right definitely, now, so yeah there's definitely been times when i've been like that like before having kids um just kind of like almost obsessively lesson planning and not realizing that it's one o'clock and you you know you're still working on this really exciting idea that you have to plan right yeah right now. spreadsheet make a spreadsheet look perfect um <laughs> yeah. i often forget I've... to go to to toilet when these things happen but yeah oh i i do that all the time um yeah. my, my current thing is that I'm, I'm planning a scheme and i've become i've over planned it because of how obsessed i've become with it um yeah. to the point where it to be honest there's there's a, an entire term's worth of work there and i only needed six weeks and it, it never gets finished though that's the thing so it always yeah. ends up being what I mean, I've got 12 weeks worth of work and I was only asked for six. But despite this, when I hand it in and show everyone next week, it's going to be large chunks of it are going to be unfinished because I've just got bored of that. Um, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, no, I didn't want to do that anymore. I hate, I hate finishing things. I really, I really oh. hate, I, I like starting them. I hate finishing yeah. them. I really, really struggle. Oh, I, I found it, I saw a really good meme. You know that meme of the, um, the girl walking with the boy and the boy turns around and looks at another girl? You know that meme? Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes, it's one of that, but like it's current project and a new focus. But I will show you know, I'll, I'll stick on with Twitter in a minute. Well, not in a minute. Yeah, three, nine minutes. yeah I know what you mean. Definitely know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's me. Um, It tends, uh, one of the strategies that I use a lot to be able to like keep organized and to try and, you know, you function are bullet journals mm -hmm. and it's not because I enjoy bullet journaling. I actually do really enjoy bullet journaling, but that's not what it's about. Yeah. It's just the, the act of writing the thing that I'm doing over and over and over again, and then having a set period of time where this is where I look at what I'm doing. Um, but the issue is, is that it is always um, January because I get a new one in January. And that means that I, in December, I am the least organized person in the world because my bullet journal is coming to an end and I don't want to do it. Yeah, and all I do in all I do in December is look at January's bullet journal and how pretty it's going to be. Oh, kid in the background. Um, yeah, I get that. I always get like my next, my next interesting, you know, exp my next interesting task, my next interesting project. Um, which, yeah, Heather, you're like headed apart. Oh, Heather's disappeared. She's now on silent. The child has turned up. I'm just on on mute. I'm, I'm dealing with a kid request, but I'm still oh, okay. Here. I will. Um. <laughs> No, I, I think it's a kid request. I was going to say, you're head of department. I mean, G, are you, yeah. are you head of you you, department, G? I'm not, no. Um, I've I've purposefully always had this issue where I've, I've been asked, where do you see yourself in five years' time? Where do you see yourself? And my, my answer every time is going to be exactly where I am now, but better. Yeah. And that's all I've ever wanted, which has always been interpreted as no ambition or, you know, not wanting to, you know, take on extra responsibility. And the reality of it is that I can't take on extra responsibility. And also my ambition is to maintain and get better. It is not to take on extra things. And also I have a deep rooted fear of change. Oh yeah. I hate change. I hate um, it. I hate change. Um, Heather, how do you find being in charge of a department and being autistic? I always thought that I didn't want to do it. And um, in my sort of the first 10 years of my career, I was luckily managed to get a post as a, 
what were they before lead practitioners? Advanced skills teacher. Yeah. So that was great because I, um, I, I just felt like I didn't want to be ahead of year or ahead of department because I'm not a people person. And yeah, I love being a, a AST and then a lead practitioner um, because I could, you know, teaching and learning was, you know, was my really passionate interest and I could focus on that and just sort of talk about that. I kind of ended up um, stuck in one of my lead practitioner jobs and it was a school that was really far away and I was doing a long commute and I really needed a job close to home and this kids had come along at this point and it was yeah work was just hell it was really awful I needed to move schools um and I actually tried applying for just English teacher jobs because I, I, I am constantly every now and again I'm just constantly craving just being a teacher just sounds like heaven but um, no one would have me because I was too expensive. And also because interviews are just hellish as an autistic oh my God. person. Interviews are the worst oh, thing ever. The, the trauma of some of those ones. Um, so there was one where I applied for, and it was it was maternity cover for English lead practitioner. No, it wasn't. It was lead practitioner job, but including maternity cover for head of department. And I was like, okay, this this could work. And I turned up and the head was like, um, yeah, I've got to be honest. Um, we, we can't afford to pay you for this role, but how about we interview you for SLT instead? And I was like, this is a big change. <laughs> and I just kind of went along with it. Um, and yeah, so I had to just completely change the job that was being interviewed for throughout the day. And also they didn't actually interview me until five o'clock that day. Oh, and what? yeah, I, yeah, I had a, not an epic meltdown, but a meltdown in the actual interview room and it was horrific. Anyway, <laughs> um, I ended up, um, I didn't get that job fully enough. <laughs> I, I withdrew from that one. Um, I ended up kind of having to go more of a sideways move to, um, to move geographically. So I became a assistant head and also head of English and I really did my best with it for a few years I was really passionate about it um but I ended up stepping down because I mean one of the things about being SLT is you have to do that walkabout thing where you go around the school and deal with any issues that come up and it's completely unpredictable and it could be you know a child in crisis it could be anything and I was just like I, I can't do this <laughs> So I stepped down from the assistant head part of the role and I became just a head of department. And I actually, I, I really do like it. We're a really small school. We've only got 300 students because we're undersubscribed. And so I am only kind of line managing three teachers because we're a department of four. And I feel like that is, that's okay. Most schools, if I was line managing 10, I definitely couldn't cope with and also everyone's lovely <laughs> my department are lovely that helps. so you know it's yeah and what I really do like as head of department is the um the curriculum planning side of things having that absolute autonomy to design mm. the curriculum and what it looks like and yeah I am never happier than when I'm doing a long-term plan or a scheme of work it's like it's really exciting um I still think all the time that I want to just be an English teacher, but then the feeling never really lasts. And then because this, you just, 
you end up on a, a roller coaster of emotions like you've got a really terrible week and then all of a sudden you're having a really good week and it, it's really unpredictable um so i think that's an aspect of being autistic as well is yeah you can did either you can of you having sorry on. did either of you have that moment of going yes i like routine and i like this and i like the other how did i end up in teaching which is the most probably the most unpredictable job that i could imagine I mean, on the other hand, it is predictable in terms of your timetable. Yes, bells. I do like of, that. And the bells. bells. Yeah. The bells. <laughs> and, and when to I, eat. I often, oh, yes, I we are told when it. to eat. Yes. <laughs> and when to go to the toilet. And, <laughs> it's all there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there are, yeah. I often describe it as the week has a rhythm to it. Like Yes. Yes. <laughs> You know that the the rhythm of the week is going to go the same. Like, you know, for me, Tuesday is my most intense day and Thursday is my quietest day. And yeah, it, it goes in a similar pattern each week. And I really, really like that. Um, I mean, I'm probably, probably ADHD as well, although I haven't got around to <laughs> getting myself diagnosed. So I do like the, I do like aspects of the variety and the unpredictability as well. That's quite nice. I think it has quite a good balance of the routine and the, I don't Changes. know, unpredictable. Yeah. Uh, fun chaos as opposed to yes. like not fun chaos. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I like fun chaos. I think, I think perhaps going into teaching, um, there might have been part of me that was craving that safe, familiar environment. It wasn't like something I always wanted to do. It was something I was like, oh, well, I'll give that a try. Um, so I think there could have been part of me that was that was craving that safe environment, uh, routine, structure, definitely structure. I did yeah. the same. Um, I yeah. I didn't. For me, I didn't imagine myself as a teacher, um, and then thought, ah, I'll give it a shot, and then found that I really enjoyed it. But really, I wanted to be a funeral director. Oh, oh wow, that'd be quite good. I mean, yes, I still kind of have have ambitions to be a funeral director i just think that that must be the best job in the world and i know did that that sounds the... did you ever watch six feet under oh, i love that I, I love that i wanted I love, to be one well so before good. it but it was wonderful so good <clears throat> i just think the idea of helping people when you know what emotion that they're feeling so you know exactly mm. what kind of emotion mm. they're feeling and you can react to yeah. that um also not being visibly emotional towards them because that's not the job so that's yeah. great mm -hmm. incredibly organized as in this is what happens and then this and then this but then there's also an unpredictability towards it because obviously you can't plan it um you can't just plan death um it's regimented well you can it, but in your murderer well yes and i definitely Sorry. didn't I, I never wanted to be a murderer although you know if if that was how they if that if that was how fate dealt my hand, then you know, whatever. But it hasn't so far. Um, That's wood. I, I know. And yeah. then yeah, I just thought, and also, I, I can't imagine you have a, a huge amount of people who want to talk to you when you're a funeral director. So it just sounds great. Yeah, I was going to um, join the army, but my eyesight is too bad. But again, the army is basically like you're told where to go, you're told what to do. You know, it's great. I haven't, got to think of myself. I haven't got to think of myself at all. Um, it's funny how things turn out, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, I've got one more question, and then we'll see how that one goes. 
actually got two questions. One of them is going to be about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh. But, before, but before that, let's think about ticks or stims or whatever mm. you want to call them. Do you two experience them? And how do you deal with them in a in school, basically? Um, I am a championship gurner, basically. Um, so my face does absolutely ridiculous things, especially when I'm not concentrating. So uh, I've had kids the entire my entire career. I've had kids going, "Missed you know what your face is doing right now," um, and me going, "No." Is it incorrect? And th- those kids go in, yes, it's very incorrect. You look like Wallace and Gromit. Um, and that's, that's just been how I, or the other one being, I'll be sat there and we'll be, um, I'll, I'll be doing the register and they'll be going, miss, is the register funny? Um, and I'll be like, what? And they're like, you're smiling at the register. And it's just it's all of the all of the emotional kind of like practiced um facial expressions that i have kind of come out in a range of things i don't know have either of you seen peacemaker um it's oh, not yeah i want to i want to it's, uh, on, my, it's on my to-do list it's, it's wonderful plus, so. it's absolutely wonderful but one of the characters um vigilante is clearly one of us um and there's a there's a moment where he starts making all of the facial expressions in the world because it means that uh, somebody won't be able to pick him out in a lineup, and that's basically what my face does. And uh, it's it, so I was howling at that because I was just like one of us, one of us. And the the only way that I've managed to get around it is um having Botox. All right. No way. Yeah, I've had Botox and my face no longer moves, which is great. <laughs> Well, yeah, I kind of I'm... have the opposite problem, which is my my face doesn't really do much. I'm I'm always kind of expressionless. <laughs> so like re- rest in psychopath, rest in <laughs> yeah, psychopath face. Much. Yeah, that's what I've got as well. Yeah. yeah, I've got. There's all these family pictures of like my partner's so my partner's like my exact opposite. She's really smiley and like really like in tune with her emotions, and I'm like, anyway, um, and then daughter number one is like that. Daughter number three is like that. So all these family photos, they were everyone's really smiley. Me and daughter number two, like like that's me and my son. Dead souls, so, you know. It's it's not the dead souls for me. It's well, he is. He's just completely like exactly like that. And my face will be doing the the wrong, the absolutely the wrong for that moment. Um, facial expression, even down to and this sounds awful, but even at my dad's funeral, I was smiling just having this really really um huge grin on my face the entire I get, time i've i've had that funerals as well it's like your body goes oh, the worst thing to do is smile do it and now then, and then, yeah and it's like if you, you feel your face gone up like the joker it's like, oh my god yeah. I, can't, I can't i can't yeah oh it's yeah. it's it's awful it's and, and it's basically what my face does all the time apart from that my hands um i stim really badly with my hands um it, but I've managed to style it out. It, it looks a lot more like I have castanets, like invisible castanets. Um, and it, it used to be nail biting a lot as well. But again, yeah, this is the thing. I, I do now because I spend a lot of money on getting my nails done to stop that happening. So basically all of the things that look like aesthetic choices in, in how I look are not aesthetic choices. They're to stop me from stimming. Good shout, yeah. Mm. I've um, uh, yeah. 
go on Heather. Uh, I'm I'm more of a, a skin picker. I've always oh, picked yeah. skin, on, skin on my lips really badly. Um, At the oh, inside of your really mouth. Badly. Not so much the inside, but the outside, like, you know, when you get the dry skin on your lips. So oh, I'll bite the inside of my mouth. Desperate I bite, too. I bite the size of my fingers. Side like your fingers, with, yeah. Yeah, like where the nails are. They're all like this kind of scabby and weird looking. Um, yeah, I'll, def- and I tap I'll definitely I'll definitely pick those bits by, by the fingernails, and that's, that's not good. Yeah, it's a bit worse. But I tap yeah. like I was in a meeting like last week, and the deputy head had to lean over and just put her hands on my hands. Because I was just going <laughs> too much. Yes. Like, and, I mean, generally people ignore it, but it got to that point where I think it was probably just too loud in that room. I was like, oh, See, didn't I, realize. sorry. In in meetings, especially since I've been a lot more open about being autistic, I, I will doodle or colour in. Um, if, if I had... If I, if I if I had more confidence, I would probably take my knitting in and do knitting because I absolutely love knitting and it keeps my hands busy. And um, in certain social situations, when I'm with people I'm comfortable with, I will just take my knitting along. I remember going to the Pixel English conference in London and, and listening to David Crystal's lecture. It, it was brilliant, but I was knitting while I was listening because I need something to keep my hands busy. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'd say embrace the doodling. Definitely. I've got I've got squash balls that I use. Oh, cool! Which nice. I give and the kids as well. I and mean, basically, I hate I hate fidget spinners or fidget toys in general because they end up just distracting too much attention. But yeah, they so can I, be noisy. Yeah, and it, oh, the noise! I hate the noise as well. So mm. I give all the kids who might because some kids do need it. Give them a squash ball, and they appreciate oh, it. Nice. And again, it's it's silent. It does yeah. something. It doesn't make a mess, and. It doesn't take too much cognitive, like you don't need that much of your mind looking at a damn thing. You can just yeah, fidget silently, yeah. and the rest of your brain can go on to actual learning. Um, I've got, I've got a, a various, various fidget toys in, in my sort of toolkit at school, but I do like the quieter ones and the ones where you don't really need to look at it because yeah. I always say to them, the whole point of it is it keeps your hands occupied, and you, but you're not looking at it because you need yeah. to be looking at what we're looking at. Yeah, I like the the tangle ones. Um, that's just like the plastic, and then you can wind it up because they they tend not to be noisy. And yeah, they're, they're good ones. You can get different textures on them as well. For, for my for my son, um, we've both neither of us manage very well with um like fidget toys, um, despite the fact that we both need them, and we both carry around um a. a coaster like a drinks coaster i know that sounds utterly ridiculous but um no, you know like the, the raffia kind you know the raffia kind the oh yeah yeah, yeah that have been um like braided and then yeah. put in a circle we both carry one of those around and we'll have them in our pockets just rubbing it the whole time um and it's, it's right you, you said that and i was like instantly like oh that feels nice to rub <laughs> yes yeah. that's it yeah. i need to it, and we both and, and strangely that was the first thing the first thing that um alerted us to the fact that harrison was was autistic was the fact that i was having to carry around a coaster um <laughs> from him being from him being one having to carry around a coaster and then realizing that i was doing the same thing um have you found as either of you found that your kids have been like really attached to objects door number two is toys yeah, my, I remember my daughter going to sleep with the toilet roll really attached to it, like it was her best friend. 
toilet roll holder. No, the inside yeah. part, the, the, the yeah. cardboard part. Yeah. yeah, Harrison becomes oh, yeah, emotionally definitely. attached to items, but not items that you would expect him to. So if it's a um, like a, like a teddy bear, he doesn't care and has never cared. Mm. Um, but if it's a like a button, or it, it could be like a broken piece of Lego, that's yeah. something that's deeply, deeply emotional to him. Well, I did that, and you kind of yeah, give him person- you basically give him personalities, and they, yeah. they have a kind of like a weight, like weight. Is that what? Yeah, I think weight is probably a good way to describe like a weight upon the world. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're a person. That sounds they exist. They exist. That sounds like when I'm saying it out loud now. Even I'm going. That doesn't sound right. But at the same time, no, it's exactly. Having I mean. said this, you are talking to a person who I once I once stopped the car and had to get out and sob by the side of the road because I'd seen a um I'd seen roadkill. I hadn't killed it, but I'd seen roadkill, and had started imagining that that particular animals um hypothetical children and had to <laughs> and had to get out because oh, i could i know but i couldn't i couldn't breathe anymore because i was crying so much and i was sat by the side of the road going i'm gonna have to ring in to tell somebody i'm gonna be late because i'm crying about a badger and oh. and it was and so it it does it, it, you do do that i find it much easier to ascribe personalities to items and yeah. to like animals than i do people humans yeah yeah people with faces it's yeah. easy even someone with no face personality yeah yeah yes very much so i don't know why that is that's quite it's quite an autistic thing isn't it i don't mm-hmm. know why mm-hmm. um yeah i mean personally my, my own interior monologue my own interior emotional life is like i think i know some people have like real highs and real lows i'm very much like me like the, my, my line is like oh a bit happy I don't really have extremes of emotion or really I don't really know what emotions I'm feeling half the time so you know there's a real disconnect there um, yeah I had I, um, I had some counselling in my 20s for like you know issues with depression and anxiety and I, I remember the counsellor saying I think we need to work on some basic vocabulary for naming emotions <laughs> and I was like what how dare you insult my vocabulary <laughs> but like yeah i'm not very good at identifying how i'm feeling it's that alexithymia alexithymia however you say it yeah i am not very good at naming my feelings and definitely not at understanding why i am feeling that way it's like i, I just feel bad i find I don't know. Yeah. yeah i find it's I... really difficult i've got going george go on. Yeah, I've, I've got something different which is that i am incredibly incredibly um verbal when it comes to my emotions but you can't see them um so i can sit there and and i've had therapy about this as well where well we went through exactly the same thing about naming the emotion and about understanding um what it was that i was feeling because i would say i would say I'm fine. It's absolutely no problem. And then we'd uncover it a bit deeper and realise it was actual unbridled rage that I was feeling. <laughs> um, and me just sat there going, no, I'm fine. Everything's okay. It's fine. Um, but I can sit there and I can logically walk you through everything that I've done, the emotional aspect, the context of it, where there's been a change, and I can go right the way through. And then at the end, they'll be like, but how do you feel about that? And I'll go, I don't know. <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah tell me yeah How do I what's the answer yeah mm. um i find it difficult to differentiate my emotions from my partner's emotions 
Do you get that? Oh. I, can, I can understand that, yeah. I don't, yeah. Think so. I no. don't, I can differentiate them, but I tend to predict them. Um, so I put myself in his position and I like hyper empathize about things of how I would feel in this position and then try to act accordingly to minimize the distress that I would feel in that situation. However, he doesn't feel any distress because he's not autistic. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I find basically my partner will have an emotion and I'll start feeling it and I'll be like, why am I feeling this emotion? What emotion am I feeling? I don't know what emotion I'm feeling, but I'm feeling something. And eventually I'm like, partner, I feel this. And she's like, oh, yeah. So I can't, So she's feeling something. Um, And then like, somehow I catch it. So but she might have a grump. She might be in a really bad mood. I won't notice. And then I'll catch it. And then she will feel fine. And then I'll be in a bad mood. Which I kind of like, yeah. Bouncing between. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, can we, I've passed the grump on is the phrase. Oh, how do you all process your students' strong emotions? Yeah, I don't. They got to tell me. <laughs> I I really struggle if 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 some if a student's feeling ill, I I cannot express sympathy without sounding really sarcastic. Do you remember Do you remember the Mary Whitehouse experience and the yes. man with the sarcastic voice? It, yeah. Oh no, I do. <laughs> not I feel like you. exactly. Oh, I'm really sorry. You're feeling unwell. It's like oh god. I've got the so, same thing with yeah. illness. Um, with illness, it's very much a case of, and I, thank God that my students are so understanding of this because I will just go, okay, what do you want me to do about that? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, don't. I oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I, do you want sympathy? Because I'll give it, but you'll not like it. Um, <laughs> um, do you want me to actually do something to help? What What do you want? Tell me what you want, and I can do that. But, if it's if it's like physical, no, absolutely not a chance. Um, when it comes to strong emotions, um, generally though, I, I process it later, and that sounds. I react. No, I'm, I, 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 yeah, I, I'll react physically. I'll, I'll do something. I'll, about, I'll do what they need me to later. do. Yeah, and then process it later. Yeah, it's like stored up, it's like granny weather wax. I'm still not the pain for later on. Mm-hmm. I'll um, feel, and I do this generally as well because if there's and, and I'm, I'm wondering if you guys are the same I am exceptionally good in a crisis oh yeah um, me too or trauma because I will ha- I will just react and it's yeah. instinctual and it's fine and then I'll know and I'll be able to to build it in and go in about four weeks time I am going to be unable to speak and probably have a little mini breakdown but we'll deal with that then yeah it is that kind of just it's 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 that kind of like the process the 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 shock whatever is happening it's just happening in a different room in my head somewhere and then but that's fine because everyone else is panicking I am task orientated I'm fixing this problem because it's my job and then later on I'll open a little box in my head and go what am I feeling now oh yeah so yeah I do yeah. that it's, it's good that you can connect that up yeah I don't it's, know it's kind of it's like take, it's taking years to figure that one out. Mm. Yeah, oh, definitely. It's it's kind of like when I think, like many autistic people, I am quite clumsy, and I'm always walking into doors. And oh yeah, me too. Yeah. So you know, you, it's like you you walk into it and you go ow, and then a few days later, a bruise appears, and you're like, I have no no idea how that bruise got there. Well, and I say just, ow. I say ow. It doesn't actually thing. hurt. But I remember my partner of the and the previous partner going, that didn't hurt you. And I'm like, I know, but like whenever you walk into me, you're meant to say ow, aren't you? So I say ow. <laughs> 
so oh, obviously there's, yeah there's so much this this it's so interesting about um being hyposensitive because it can you know it can be a real issue in terms of medical one of my favorite podcasts about autism is called 100, 1800 seconds on autism Ooh, um, presented by yeah it's so good it's presented by jamie knight and robin uh, stewart and jamie says that he he, he can't describe pain in a way that neurotypical people can so you go to an a and e department and they'll say how you know how would you rate your pain on a scale of one to ten and he's like he, that doesn't work for him he can describe yeah. it as a color um but he can't describe it as a number and yeah you know there's just such an issue around under sensitivity to pain and you know the yeah, number of I autistic mean, people who've been walking around on yes. broken legs i've done or that. In, I, I, I broke, in labor. broken bones in my feet <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I had yeah. I I went to go and have um I fell down an entire flight of stairs, and went to have it an X ray just 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 a check, um you know people said that I needed to go and check so I better go, and when I got there they they told me that it was actually the fourth time that I'd broken my foot. Wow! Um, oh my god! And the the time when I went to go and get my I went to a new dentist, and um they, they did the X rays because it was a new, a new a new and they went when did you break your jaw. And I have no idea. I have no memory of breaking my jaw whatsoever, but I had wow. a visible break that had healed in my, in my jaw. Um, but it, it's just, it, and that is quite dangerous. It can be really yeah. hard, especially. Oh, yeah. I mean, I gave um, myself a hernia. I didn't even notice I gave myself a hernia. And then I always kind of, eventually figured out what I'd done, but it took so much, because I was like, is there pain in this area? And they're like, where's the pain? I'm like, I don't know where the pain is but it's a pain in this area. And like, I was like pointing at my leg pretty much. And it was like the other side of my body was the hernia. And wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like, um, uh, I heard a story about how some autistic, people, some autistic people, if you tap them on your, their right shoulder, they'll feel that in their left shoulder, mm. which is really, really weird. I used, but, I, used, if, I used to be when I was a kid, if, you, if I touched my left shoulder, I'd have to touch my right shoulder. Both sides uh, of my body would be exactly the same. So, like an OCD thing. I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. I grew out. I, I grew out of that one. I think this is where it becomes an issue to, to think about like intersectionality as well, because um, obviously, mm -hmm. if you've got if you've got the fact that the autistic experience of pain is so much different, and then our understanding or uh, like medical understanding of pain or registering of pain, especially with um, like for example, um, black women are often. Um, yeah not 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 allowed to or not accepted when when telling when talking about their own pain and then so if you're a black autistic woman obviously you're going to feel dismissed immediately because you're saying i'm in pain but i can't describe it yeah and then also um you know basically anyone assigned female at birth it's a case of it's having to have that extra layer my tendency tends to be i'll go to the doctor and go there's something wrong i can't tell you anything about it um I know there is something wrong. It isn't, it is, the fact I'm here is enough to show you that it isn't like hypochondria because I don't come here. Yeah. I just can't yeah. tell you what it is that's wrong. Um, and to be honest, I, I find my, my diagnosis has been an absolute godsend with that because I can point at it and go, this is why I can't tell you, but there is something wrong. Yeah. 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 That's, I never thought of that. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. My, my daughter is i mean i'm not really like this when it comes to under sensitivity to pain i definitely feel the pain but my daughter doesn't 
And there's been times when she's had tonsillitis or scarlet fever. And I've said, is your throat hurt? And she's like, no, not really. And then she's got like a fever of 41. And the, mm-hmm. the, doc- yeah. the doctor will look at her tonsils and they're covered. You know, they're all white and horrible. And it's like, yeah, that's definitely a thing for her. Um, I remember, yeah. I mean, daughter number one is clearly, I'm pretty sure, isn't is, is neurology typical. But the only thing that always sticks in my head is she got stung by a bee once and she went to me, I'd be stung. And I'm like, no, you haven't because you're not crying. And like yeah. the, the massive welt on her leg. And she was like, yeah, it stung me. I was like, oh, sorry, I didn't believe you. Um, yeah. ooh, we've got a comment from Cranky TA. Cranky underscore TA. Is in your experience, just tell me what the answer is, an ND trait. Not I can't be bothered to think about this or you don't understand this, but you know what the answer is. Mm-hmm. Why would you withhold it from me? Don't know. Yes. I think I think for me, it depends because there will never ever be a situation where I personally with where I can't be bothered to think about it. It's it's never going to be a case of that. It's never going to be I can't be bothered. And I tend to look with my students as well that they also wouldn't I I, haven't, I don't think I've met a student who is neurodivergent who would go I just can't be bothered. Um, they might say it, but I don't think they'd actually feel it. Um, they definitely do feel I don't understand this, and that is tricky. Um, because there's lots of things that I don't understand and I don't really want to engage with because I don't understand it. But actually, yes, if somebody knows the answer to something and then says, well, just have a look and do it. I'm like, and the rage I feel. And it's, yeah. it's again, it's it's rage because it's yeah. just like, just why are you doing this? Yeah, you me. know yeah. the answer. Why wouldn't you just tell me the answer? Because I don't care about the process. I just care about the answer. And mm-hmm. I... I can't explain that because there's times where I'll be in this situation with my partner and he will go, right, that was completely irrational the way that you you responded. And and I'll be like, but it's completely rational to me because you knew the answer. Just, just tell me the answer. Um, So I think, I think it's a mix for me between, I don't, excuse me, between I don't understand and I, I need the answer and you know it. Yeah. I get that. Oh, and in typical autistic fashion, we have actually run over time. Yes, we have. I like we have. Of course, we have. Of course, we have. <laughs> oh, I was really enjoying this. We should continue some other time. Yeah, this is like a support. We should, we should rename it the support group for like autistic teachers, and have yeah. like yeah. So maybe we'll, do, maybe we'll do it again in a month's time if everyone's up for that, and have some more Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yes. Cool. Thank you so much. Um, let's imagine. Oh, I really enjoyed it too. Thank you to Cranky TA, whoever you are. Um. Yeah, uh, man, a jingle. I mean, we didn't even do the news. Uh, let's do a jingle out. Um, should we do a song together? I used to play <laughs> the Buffy soundtrack on repeat on CD every day. I love that song. I did too. Oh, yeah. Biff Naked. She was great. Lucky. You know, well, I've said this before on, on Twitter and places, but basically my entire personality is an amalgamation of every character from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Giles. I'm a kind of Giles mm-hmm. Willow. Um Spike. I just yeah. dance yeah. dance between all of them. Yeah, this I, I'm mine. Giles and Willow as well. Definitely, I just yeah, yeah. mixture yeah. of the two. I learned oh. how to teenage via via Sir Michelle Geller. Oh, I learned. Yeah, I, I pretty much I just skipped teenage years. I basically big Brent. Yeah. Anyway, I mean this is this is a whole another like hour of like conversation we could have, isn't it? <laughs> like basically how we learned how we learned to fake being normal 
through books and TV shows and pop culture. Yes. Oh yeah. And then you realise, yeah. then you realise that you aren't being normal because nobody speaks like they do in Dawson's Creek, apart from this you. Is true. <laughs> yes, this is true. <laughs> we this is we true. could talk another. We could talk another time about how I have a Father Ted quote for every occasion. Oh, yes. I went yes. for that face as well. <laughs> yes. Bless God. God bless you, Father. Um, Very much so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. On that note, you've been wonderful. Should we re-meet in about a month's time? Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. Maybe whatever. Yeah. We'll, we'll call it um, How We Don't To Fake Being Normal. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Cool. I've gone to press the end button now. So thank you so okay. much. And I'm going to try and like download it into other things and then Twitter it. Look at that. Bye. Cool. I really enjoyed this. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.